Good morning. It is special to gather at a time like this. Christmas. What is Christmas all about? And I, I wish I could have just told Nate to keep right on going. We could have kept singing. The power of song. The power of words. And so many times we repeat lyrics because it's the time to sing. It would do us well to pay attention more to the lyrics of song that we verbalize. Come with me back to Christmas Eve of 1906. Reginald Fessenden was an assistant to Thomas Edison. And he was in charge of some of the radio technology of that day, broadcasting it. Now, up until this time, it was mainly the Morse code that was being transmitted via free, uh, radio frequency waves to ships and news, uh, newspaper uh, authors, writers, and that is how words would, would be spread. There was some uh, human voice as well. On this Christmas Eve of 1906, Reginald decided he wanted to do a broadcast. So he picked up the transmitter and he started telling the Christmas story simply by reading Luke chapter 2. And this was groundbreaking uh, sounds that were coming across the radio. Shipmasters and sailors paused and leaned in to hear what was happening. Newspaper writers couldn't believe their pen stopped, uh, uh, stopped writing and they leaned in. People who had radios were amazed at the sound of a human voice coming across consistently. As he finished up Luke 2, he picked up his violin, it is believed, and he started playing a Christmas carol. Oh, holy night. And for the first time in history, there was a radio broadcast of scripture and song. And it left an impact on the people listening. I'm going backwards. That was 1906. Let's back up a little further to Christmas Eve of 1871. The Franco-Prussian War was taking place between the French and the Germans. Horrible fighting that was going on. On this Christmas Eve, as the, the fighting was taking place, soldiers in their trenches, guns ablazing, one brave soldier stepped out of the French trenches and started singing. What do you think he sang? Oh, holy night. It was a French tradition, a French carol. As he sang, as he finished up the, the words of Oh, holy night, a German soldier stepped out and started singing From Heaven I Come Down, an old uh, carol. And he commenced with singing that carol. What, what uh, uh, came out of, of that, the French soldiers, the German soldiers came out of their trenches and they met in the middle of no man's land. And for 24 hours there was peace. Why didn't it continue is the question I ask. But a simple carol started that, 24 hours of peace. That was 1871. Back up even further to 1847, there was a small town in the country of France, and one of the, the ministers there at the church went to a parishioner 
named Placid Capou de Racamore, a French man. And he said, you're good at poetry. Could you write us a poem? So he sat down, and he was amazed at the story of Christmas. And out of that inspiration came a holy night. So what started as a spark of inspiration in one man turned into inspiration for many in the world. And thus is the story of O Holy Night. As we sing, as we sang, I, I, saw, I saw the power of song. Song is powerful. There was a man who said, let me write the songs for a country and I will guide their trajectory or where they're going to go. Song is powerful. What we listen to leaves an impact. And it's amazing, as, as you observe the history of songs and poems, where does it come from? It comes from a, a heart that is searching, a heart that is yearning, oftentimes pain, pain of the heart, pain of the soul that somebody, the author, is facing. And out of that pain comes words, comes blessing, as they wrestle with what they're dealing with. So my message this morning on Christmas Eve is I grappled what to share. Do we look at the Christmas story? I would like to look at two songs this morning. One of them is O Holy Nights. We're going to get to that at the end. But there's another song I want to look at. But before we go there, I would like your, your responses, if I may. And that is, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is Christmas something that is looked forward to and celebrated? If your children were to ask you as parents, why do we celebrate Christmas, what would you say? I would like some answers if you could. Dad, what's the fullness of time? Good. What else? Great, thank you for those responses. And as I sat and thought about why do we celebrate Christmas, yes, I, I agree with, with those responses. Now, parents, I, I have a question. Do your children hear you explaining it? Or do you, will they just pick it up in the carols, in the gifts, in the family gatherings? I think it is so important that as parents, we guide our children, and, and they need to hear it from our mouths. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is this a time where we spend money on gifts and we get together as families? It's a beautiful time, it is. But parents, our children need to hear it uh, from us. I'm always amazed as we get to Christmas season, the, the cordiality that is present. Uh, more than other times of the year. You know, you, people in, in the stores and the people you meet up with, for the most part, um, have smiles on their faces. And as you leave, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We went to, I was just recently in Grenada, and it's 
quite warm there. And um, they celebrated by wearing the red hats that are common at Christmas, the nice fuzzy ones. They were wearing them in the heat of Grenada. Why? Merry Christmas is everywhere. It's something that worldwide is celebrated. Yet you ex- the, the explanation you gave to me was rooted in the fact of Jesus, of God sending his son. So is the whole world celebrating the arrival of the son, of Jesus? Unfortunately, times have twisted the real meaning of Christmas. And it's a time of vacation, of gifts, of, of feasting. But it tells me something. As I observe the whole world recognizing this time, it tells me something of our need for a savior. You know, God, uh, John 1, I was really blessed with the Sunday school lesson this morning. Back in the beginning, he said, all right, I'm going to create the world. We discussed a little bit about what was before the beginning. Who was there? God was present. And as God decided to make the world, he made us in whose image? In his own image. And in us, he gave a desire, a a need for something bigger than ourselves. And as I observe Christmas, it amazes me to see that people are still saying, Merry Christmas. Do they realize what they are saying? And it it, uh, amazes me at the, the way God chose to send his son in the form of a baby. So this morning, we're going to look at two songs. And my, my prayer is this, that we could magnify our God. And what does magnify mean? To make big, to look big, to, to turn away uh, recognition from ourselves to something else. Magnify, lift up. I want us to acknowledge our lowest state. Yeah, we're not as big as we think we are sometimes. I want us to acknowledge that so we can magnify our God. My title for the message this morning is Magnificat. Magnificat. And that word comes from Luke chapter 1. So please turn with me there now. Luke chapter 1. And the first song we are going to look at is Mary's song. As I thought about the story of Christmas, I'm amazed at the responses of the people who were involved in the story. And I want to inspire us this morning with song, with, with a, a song that came from a young lady, a young girl named Mary. A little background before we reread in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 46. If we back up in the chapter, we see that uh, somebody was going to prepare the way for Jesus, And that was John the Baptist. We looked at that in our Sunday school lesson this morning. His birth was announced to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was struck dumb because he did not believe right away. Right uh, soon after that, Gabriel again comes to Mary and says, Mary, I'm going to give you, you are going to give birth to the Messiah, my son. And what is Mary's response to all this? First of all, she asks, okay, how can this be? I'm not married. How can I have a baby? And in verse 37, if you would look there, Luke 1, verse, actually 38, uh, angel's response is, uh, with God, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be according to thy word. Mary's simple response to this news from Gabriel was, Lord, let it be so. 
we can learn a lot from that response. Another uh, interesting thing, it was common in culture these days for girls to be quite young when they were married, often around the age of 13 and 14. So as, as we try to grasp the, the background to the, Mary's song, I believe she is very young. A 14-year-old girl, if I can bring that. And she just found out she's going to give birth to the Messiah. And then she goes off to visit uh, Elizabeth. And the timing of this is interesting. I think uh, Luke and Matthew are the only places where it refers to the angel coming to Mary and to Joseph. And we know the, that as Mary announced she's having the Messiah, she wasn't married yet. This was looked down on her in her culture. Joseph was back home trying to decide, okay, should I marry her or should I put her away privately to not make a big show of it? That's what Joseph was grappling with. Imagine a 14-year-old girl going to her fiancé and saying, I'm having, a, I'm having a baby. It's Jesus. And now Joseph has to decide what he's going to do. And this is the predicament. Can you imagine the tension that Mary is in? And I almost think that she chose to, to go away to Elizabeth. I don't know why she went to visit Elizabeth, but I imagine in her hometown there was a lot of talk, and she went away. And as she goes to visit Elizabeth, as she's coming up, Elizabeth says, Whoa, Mary, as you came up, John the Baptist jumped, leaped in my, he leaped in my womb. And then she goes on to say, Blessed are you. And then we enter Mary's response in verse 46. So follow along as I read Luke 1. Verse 46, this is Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He hath sent away empty. He hath hopen in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers to Abraham and his seed forever. And that is the end of Mary's song. A 14-year-old girl from her heart sharing her feelings and what she was facing. What song does this remind you of? Somebody from the Old Testament? A lady? Miriam? Yes. Another one? Hannah? Right. Miriam, Hannah, remember their songs that they, that they shared in the midst of, of great turmoil and pain. Very similar to that. That shows me that Mary was in the scripture at the age of 14. She was reading the prophets. And from her deepest being came forth this song. And that's why she was able to magnify the Lord. She inspires me. Quickly, I would just want to look at a couple things in her song. In her as she was sharing with Elizabeth. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. I, I think that is a unified goal of ours to magnify the Lord at Christmas. Right? That's why we celebrate it. 
We want to celebrate the Lord and what he has done. In the miracle of sending his son as a baby. This is what Mary said. I want to magnify the Lord. I want to lift him up. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary's recognition of a need of a Savior is saying what about her? If you need a Savior, if you need a helper, you're in need of help. She recognized her sinfulness. Right after the angel came to her and said, you're going to have Jesus. That would be hard for me to stoop down and say, oh, I'm a sinner. But that's what Mary did. That is the only way we can magnify God is by recognizing our sinful states. That's what she says. And she says from my uh, back up to verse 46, my soul, this is something deep within. My Savior, she's recognizing she's a sinner. Verse 48, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. She acknowledged her lowest state. Do you acknowledge how low and little you are? Only then will you be able to magnify our God. This is Mary, sharing from her heart. And for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And, and you re might read these words and, okay, is this a moment of pride? From now on, everybody's going to look at me as St. Mary. No, I don't hear that tone coming through. What I hear is, wow, because I'm, 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 I'm my lowest state, God has thought about me. And from now on, from generations, they're going to call me blessed. I'm humbled by the fact. It's because of her, her esteeming or regarding her lowest state. Only in this way can we magnify our God. Then, he, then she goes on to talk about God. He's mighty. He's done to me great things. Do you know the context that she's saying he has done great things? She was separated from her fiancé. She was looked down on by her culture. Her family was disregarding her. Through the pain of all that, she says, God has done great things to me. She saw the end of the miracle of carrying baby Jesus. She has done, he has done great things in me. His mercy and his strength is present. In the midst of this trial, she saw his mercy and his strength. And then she goes into some contrast. And this shows me, this reminds me that God doesn't do it the way we do it. God does things totally different than the way we imagine or the way we think. And this is what she says. He's going to put down the mighty from their seats. Imagine if King Herod would have esteemed himself of low estate. Imagine how he could have influenced the kingdom of God. But no, God brings down the mighty. But he exalts those of low degree. We see a contrast. What does he do with those who are hungry? He gives them good things. Are you hungry? And then it says the rich, the people who think or look like they have a lot, he's going to send them away empty. God, uh, Mary is acknowledging God's almightiness through the contrast. And then she points to the hope. He hath hoped in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham. Mary says, the same way this whole time, way back, hundreds of years, you promised to Abraham that you were going to send a son, and now it is here. There is hope. And I, I, I can't expound further on Mary's song, but a couple thoughts that I want to leave with you, amazes me. She didn't dwell on the hardships. She could have focused on the situation and responded with fear. 
Mary could have easily done that. But rather she looked for blessings in the turmoil. And as I observed Mary's response, it inspired me in so many ways. This past couple months, there's been some things that I had to ask God, why? But all God wants us to do is look for the blessings in the midst of turmoil. That is Mary's response. That's why God chose her. So I see she didn't dwell on the hardships. That's what I see in Mary's song. Another thing, her words were from the prophets. We see here a young girl who was learned in the scriptures. She was in the word. That brought her to the place of being used by God. And to my point, she saw her lowest state and she saw her worth in what God had done for her. So I, my prayer is that through Mary's song, we can recognize our lowest state. God's got it. We don't. He does things his way. And all we need to do is lift up God to magnify him. The only people whose soul can truly magnify the Lord are people like Elizabeth and Mary, who acknowledge their lowest state and are overwhelmed by the condescension of the magnificent God. So, how are you going to magnify the Lord is the question I, I have for you this morning. As we go into the Christmas season, parents, share with your children the meaning of Christmas. Dig into the Christmas story. It's beautiful. We could spend our time now looking at Luke 2 and, what, and looking at the specifics of how Jesus came into the world. But we're not going to do that. Instead, I would like you to take out another song. And that is 1,028 in the Songs of Faith and Praise. And yes, we're going to go to a holy night. As we observe our time together at Christmas with family, the gifts, the blessings, I trust that we can remember Mary and her response. And may our response be to magnify the Lord after we view our lowest states. And in O Holy Night, I, I think the author here captures so well different aspects of the Christmas story, talking about the Savior's birth. A another thing in, in verse 1, second stanza, it says, Long lay the world in sin and error, error pining. The whole world this whole time was waiting for the Savior to come. And at this moment, he appeared. And that's when the soul felt its worth. The king of kings lay in a lowly manger. Why don't we all stand this time? And as we sing, I want you to think about the lyrics. As we commemorate the holy nights when Christ was born. 1028.
Let's remain standing. Heavenly Father, we want to glorify you. We want to magnify your name. And we are humbled to be your sons and daughters. And I pray that around this Christmas season, our hearts, our lives could magnify you. As we observe the Christmas story, how you came as a humble baby, may we in the same way view our lowest state and out of that lowest state see our worth in you and magnify your name. And may we be a light as the Sunday School lesson inspired us to those around. So I commit us to you. We're yours. I pray that you would be with our Christmas celebration. May it be honoring to you. Take us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.